this Friday. Your favorite emotions are back on the big screen in Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. It's time to greet your Team Riley. It's anger. Let me at him. Fear. Safety checklist is complete. Disgust. Ew, ew. Ugh. Sadness is in the house. Oh, no. Hello, I'm anxiety. I'm one of Riley's new emotions. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. There's a part two? We're going. Ready PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters Friday. Get tickets now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to a very special episode of Black Opinions Matter. Uh, as you guys know, I don't need to remind anybody. There's a lot of stuff going around in the country right now. A lot of turmoil. Uh, a lot of people taking the streets, protesting police brutality. A lot of brutal police reaction to people protesting police brutality. So uh, we decided to put together a special episode today. We won't be talking about yesterday's episode, Insecure. Sorry. Uh, instead, we're going to be talking about a lot of things that are bothering, I'm sure, all of you and definitely all of us. Joined, as always, by Black Trey, John Gervais, and Big Waz. And we got special guests, um, our sister, our, uh, you know, North Star that we look to for in times of crisis to lead us, or at least give us another way of looking at things, Jamel Hill. Thanks, Jamel, for uh, spending some time with us. I know you're real busy right now. Uh, probably talking to a lot of people about what's happening. Yeah, it's been, um, it's crazy because, you know, when things hit crisis points, that's when people want to suddenly hear from black people, (laughs) you know, even though we try to warn them many times beforehand, uh, you know, America right now feels like one big disaster movie, you know, and a disaster movie, the crazy hair scientist is like, but I told you we were headed for the iceberg. And it's like, that's been black people like, literally forever and so now they're like oh shit we headed for iceberg like yeah we are so um unfortunately i'm having a lot of conversations uh about what's happening in our country um some of the violence that we've experienced that has been ongoing i mean it's just that they're just finding out about it we've been new about it so um while i consider these things to be kind of useful just in the sense of like uh uh, we're able to maybe get a message out that wasn't out before. It's also frustrating at the same time that we're still having the same conversations in 2020. So let me let me get right off the bat. Let me ask you my pessimist question. Is this different or or is this just the same thing like Ferguson, like all the other protests where we took to the streets, we complained, we marched and then life went back to normal a few days later? So I feel like this is different, but just because it's different, that doesn't mean that we'll see any more progress than we've seen before. But it's definitely different because let let, let me tell you all some real shit that's happened to me in the last three days. You know, I have uh, I have white friends, despite what social media may have people believe. I do. Where? Name them. I do sometimes fuck with white people. Um, But no, um, What is really different is that in the last three days, 
pretty much all of who I would consider to be my close white friends have all reached out to me and said, hey, you know, first of all, accepting a, a level of accountability upon themselves, not necessarily about the nation's problems, but mostly about uh, our friendship and being like, if I've been that kind of white person that you haven't felt like you can express some of the things that happens, I'm sorry. You know, and so that has never happened to me. And realize I was in high school when Rodney King happened. Um, I was mm. in college when O.J. Simpson happened. Like, you know, I haven't lived through the things that my mother or my grandmother lived through. But enough of these things to let you know that ain't never happened before where they are actively seeking uncomfortable conversations to have with people. And I had a great one yesterday with a friend of mine. And so that just lets me know that this is a little different. And even the number of white athletes we're seeing speaking out, like I just would have never guessed Trevor Lawrence had something to say or Joe mm. Burrow. You're right. Like it's coming like it, it, the expected white people you get. Like, of course I expect Chris Long who's been at the forefront of these issues to say something. Yep. But when we start hearing from some other folks, I'm like, well, damn, like this, <laughs> it must be something about this that, that hit a little bit different and I'm happy to see it. The pessimist, to answer your, you know, to get back to your original root, root question, is that during this time where we're all kind of in, in some degree of quarantine, no sports are actually being played. I have often, I have thought many times, would there be this response, particularly from coaches, particularly from, you know, more heads of state, if we were in a season, if there were games being played and money being made, would they still have all of this to say? And I don't know. I don't know what the answer mm. to that is. You know, I was I was talking to um, my colleague over at The Athletic, David Aldridge, um, last week about all of this stuff that's going on. And he asked, like, what do you think our role as black people with voices is in this? And do we even have one? Right. Like, uh, like, I don't like, you know, to me, I feel like it's our job to just be as candid as we can, as honest. And so far as people think we got credibility, we should be trying to use that to shed light on this. What do you think your role in all of this is? Because, you know, I kind of feel like I'm at a loss, honestly, most of the time. Well, you shouldn't be, and we shouldn't underestimate the power of creating and facilitating and furthering conversation. Like, that is actually very necessary. Um, I've never considered myself an activist. People have placed me in that category. But the reason I don't is because I'm not the one who's standing in downtown L.A. right now or in other streets in Louisville or um, where some of these atrocities have happened in Minneapolis and being on the front line and maybe, um, you know, taking a rubber bullet. Like, that's not where I am right now. So for me to pretend like I should be on the same level as people who are doing that would be a little disingenuous. But I tell you what I can do is that I can bang that drum. I can make people uncomfortable and I can force people to think in a way that they don't maybe necessarily want to think. And I think you guys can do the same thing. Um, I know it's a temptation to look at it. It's like, oh, we're just speaking into a mic. You know, you feel like unless a dog is sick on your ass, you're not really doing anything. But that's not that's not uh, the entire equation of what matters right now. It's like we need voices. We need people who are willing to call shit what it is. And uh, I don't underestimate the value of that. And so I'm happy to serve that role. Certainly happy to do more outside of that, for sure. But at at the very least, let me play to my strengths. Let me go to the plays that work. Let me use my playbook, which I know 
um, is very vital in these times. And I think you guys are probably doing the same thing. You know that when you speak to something, people listen, and that cannot be something that's overestimated. Jamel, uh, I actually took a page out of your book. Um, again, I don't feel like I'm an activist or anything of that nature, but uh, in the past week, I've been very vocal on my platform, and I'm not sure, like I said, four years ago when, when protests was happening and, and, and to now, but Wednesday struck a nerve that I couldn't just turn a cheek and say, well, this happens every day, or it's not my problem, or let it go by, and... <laughs> Man, I'm talking about when it hit home, it hit home because I'm a, I'm a teacher as well as work for the athletic as well, you know, talking sports. But I'm kind of in the middle that I'm willing to, to to risk it all for the cause. You know what I mean? And in this situation, I knew that I needed to use my platform to make these conversations uncomfortable. And like you said, me working with all white colleagues, um, and you going to school with all white people. I'm from Compton, and I actually dealt with firsthand having a gun placed to my head by law enforcement for just being black in multiple occasions. So I definitely could relate to that situation, except, you know, obviously my life was, I didn't I didn't lose my life. So um, speaking up for the voiceless, and then obviously I had my white friends who I've never had this conversation with reach out, hey, are you okay? It's not about me being okay because... I've been so desensitized to this, not only um, growing up in Los Angeles, but I felt like it was my mission to expand our voice. Because sometimes I feel that black people, us right now having this conversation is preaching to the choir. And what I have pretty much put on my white friends, my counterparts, is using your voice to make our voice louder. You know what I mean? Holding accountability, um, being anti-racist and calling out the racist. You know what I mean? Letting them know that this is not a black versus white thing, but that it's an everybody versus racism thing. That researching policies and understanding who you vote for every year to put in those local offices and, and knowing what their history is with dealing with black folks. I mean, I shouldn't be scared every time those lights get behind me when I'm behind the wheel. And I think that a lot of people are, you know, like I said, it's cliche to say I've never been in your your, your shoes and I couldn't imagine how it feel. Well, help us out. Be allies, continue to use your voice just as much. And it shouldn't take for this, but I am hopeful. Like I said, these are something that I've never experienced. And it's more and more people speaking out and more and more people reaching out on how they can do it. And you're seeing people getting shot in the face with rubber bullets and all this other scenario. And I do sympathize with that, but that's us walking out the door every day. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I hear you because uh, I am encouraged by the level of dialogue that's taking place now, but I also know better. I mean, we all know better. We have seen engagement in the moment and what happens when it's gone. Um, and as I told a white friend of mine uh, who wanted to have this conversation, he's like, it's, it's fine if you engage your black friends. And I think that you do need to do that. But more importantly, you need to go talk to mm -hmm. other white people and you need to the, the risk for them is being is there. They need to be OK to really be in this fight with risking some of their social status, risking some of their friendships. Right. Because I know they have all been in a room or all been somewhere socially, professionally, where somebody white has said something racist and they ain't say nothing. And the reason they didn't 
isn't always necessarily because they thought what the person was saying was right. It's because they were afraid of what would happen if they called them out. So my thing is like venture to that territory where you call them out and you're willing to actually risk a friendship and social standing yes. to do this. If you ain't ready to do that, then you ain't ready for this yeah. fight. Then you could save asking me how I'm doing because the people you need to talk to, the audience that needs to hear, the audience that needs to understand the consequences of shit is not us. It's them. Mm -hmm. Right. So and uh, another thing I've talked to white people about consistently for the last few days is if you have a black friend who's never told you about race and y'all ain't never had a conversation, you ain't never been to their house, you've never seen how they live. And you need to question the validity and the depth of that friendship, because I can tell you the black people that are keeping these things from you are not keeping these things because we feel uncomfortable is because we know you feel uncomfortable. And that should tell you everything about how we feel that you are represented to us. And there's been a lot of white friends that I'm finally having racial conversations with, and they are finally understanding that it's not that I don't think that, um, you know, well, it is that I don't think that we can have this conversation, not because I'm afraid you'll say something racist, it's because I know you ain't ready for it. So you need to get ready for it. Uh, we hear sirens in the background. You know, Jamila is. is out in Lo Los Angeles. I want I wanted to use that as a segue. I know, Jerv, you've been going out in the streets in Philadelphia and you've been seeing some crazy things. If you want to share with us some of the things that you've seen uh, on your trips around town. So um, I live not too far from the street called 52nd Street in Philly. And <clears throat> we got word that 52nd Street was... Um, so, like, you know, it's supposed to be on fire. Like, that was the, the terminology everybody was using. So I went to bed last night, and, you know, I watched the news. I saw how that they drove, like, you know, cars into, like, some of the, you know, the places or whatever the case may be. People were doing their thing. I woke up this morning. Like I said, I heard mad sirens. And I woke up this morning, and two blocks from where I live, the entire shopping complex was just destroyed, right? Like, everything was destroyed, and it, it felt... Weird, right? Because this is stuff I've only seen on the movies. You know what I mean? Like when OJ and all that stuff happened. I mean, I was in high school with OJ, but I never saw, all I saw was what happened on television out in Cali, right? Like it wasn't here. I started driving around and you see all the stuff that's just destroyed. Um, I went into Center City the other day after the first night and Frank Rizzo, the statue that they had for him, as you saw, you know, all over the all social media and everything, they had spray painted it. Uh, they, I think they even tried to put like a noose around his neck or whatever the case may be, because, you know, his reputation was wild in Philly or whatever. So there's a lot of people that really don't want that statue up to begin with. Um, and I came out the next day, like in the morning, and everything was still messed up in the city. I'm talking about stores were still messed up. People could still go inside of the stores. It was just news cameras out there, but there was like really no police. People were cleaning up, but the only thing that was clean was the Rizzo statue. Mm. And <laughs> it, it like it, was, it tripped me out because it's, it's like immaculate. <laughs> yeah, I mean, like you could tell it got messed up, but I, I posted it. It was a before and after picture. The before looks nothing like the after, so you can it's clear as day that whether it be the city, whether it be just somebody who fools the Rizzo came out and cleaned it up, whatever. Somebody took the time out of the day to, this, to pick that particular thing to clean out. It's, you know, they got um, parts of Philadelphia right next to, like, the suburbs of, you know, the suburbs. 
So last night when curfew hit at six o'clock, they had you had to show ID to get into the suburbs. Right. Like you had to, they had it blocked off. They weren't letting people in. They were only letting people out. And I've just never seen this before. It's the it's like this is the craziest thing that I've ever seen in my life. And I, I'm torn because it's like I want to be out there and see what it's hitting for because I've never seen this before. But then the other part of me is like, yo, I have a I have a child. Right. Like I can't get caught up in something dumb on some me just want to be observant, take pictures or not even take pictures, just see it. But then it's like, I get caught because the, the target, matter of fact, I'm sorry, the target that got, there's a target in Philadelphia, the main target got, they ran into the target. I was literally going there that like, if it got hit up around four, I was on my way at three. Mm-hmm. I stopped at my friend's house just to like check in with them. They were supposed to be throwing some stuff on the girl. You know, I was, I was doing me. I was trying to make sure I got my plate on the way back. And then they <laughs> turned the TV on and I see that the targets hit up. So like the thing that I like, I just I'm I'm torn. I don't know if I want to get caught up in the stuff that's just being out here, but at the same time, I've never seen anything like this, and my curiosity is is wild. That that's that's the thing I want to ask Jamel is part of me. It's gonna sound messed up, and this is gonna be the wrong soundbite, but I, I gotta say it because I have to ask it. Part of me, this feels necessary. I, I see a lot of people angry at, at the looters and, and the vandals and all that stuff. And I'm like, no, you don't get it. Because when we asked nicely, y'all weren't listening. And now that a target got, you know, ransacked, now all of a sudden everyone's all year. So uh, am I wrong on that, Jamel? Is that, it, no. that part of it? You're not wrong at all. I mean, this is the point of a, of a protest. And it's the point, it's the reason why Martin Luther King Jr. called a riot the language of the unheard is, as you said, we we asked nicely. That was Colin Kaepernick, right? That was Kenny Stills. That was all the players that knelt in the National Football League. That's what that was, is us asking nicely. And now that it's not so nice, you, you know, there's a lot of people who want to be like, well, I'm okay with peaceful protesting no you weren't you weren't even okay with it martin luther king did it they got dogs and hoses sicked on them Mm. people forget about that part of the story and (laughs) when martin luther king jr died he's one of the most hated men in america the majority of people during that time felt like his tactics were harmful to race relations it's the same shit we keep putting it on repeat so this idea that if we do it nice enough the racists will look at us differently. If we do it nice enough, the moderates will become on board is a lie because they've never been on board with the message because the message is just too daunting and too frightening. And unfortunately, it's too real for them to to get. I mean, I, I've said this a few times in the last couple of days. We keep acting like the violence against black people is anomalies. They're aberrations. They right. are... Things that happen. Oh, it's just one time. Why can't you just, just recognize time. a mistake? The bad apples. We said everything but the truth. And the truth is, this is a system that has always been designed to kill us. Period. And until they realize that that's the truth, we can't go anywhere in any discussions at all. Because that's literally what it's been from slave patrols to Jim Crow to now. It, the police system in America has been designed for oppression and brutality of black people. And there's no question about it. 
Yeah, and I think what people need to familiarize themselves with is like the concept of a social contract, right? Um, <laughs> when that contract yes. gets broken by the police, which is, you know, I'm supposed to protect and serve and uphold the law, the citizens then be like, all right, I'm not going to abide by your red light cameras. I'm going to start stealing. I'm going to start breaking shit. I'm going to start behaving in a way that violates the social contract. Like people go about their day knowing like, all right, um, we live in a, you know, ostensibly free society. Um, there's rules that govern it. Um, there's some type of fairness involved. All right, I'm going to comport myself as a stand-up citizen and I'm going to perform all of my civic duties and I'm going to be a good citizen, but that contract is two ways, right? So when the when the the, the people who we entrusted with the the authority decide that they no longer have to abide by that contract or straight up never recognized it in the first place for certain citizens and and treat people like, you know, like bottom feeders, like second-class citizens and kill you for the potential unspeakable crime of a check forgery, which is just like that's the part that um you know it, it, whether whether it was even if it it was true if you want to assume the worst about this man and say that it was true, the concept that this guy deserves to die behind it is just it's crazy and like anybody who can't understand Luton and like I I don't know what to tell you like if you can't understand the unrest, like the idea that people feel betrayed, people feel attacked. And so they're reacting. Um, I, you know, I, I, you just need to wake up at this point. I was personally embarrassed. Honestly, I'm looking at these press conferences and seeing these uh, celebrities, you know, uh, speak up and especially in Atlanta, oh, dude, man. I just was like, look, oh, I, I, I viewed it from a certain perspective. Cause I, I, when, when you reach a certain status and, I'm sure they got businesses over there and, and you want to preach that don't destroy our own and stuff like that. But you crying over Gucci, like you crying over certain stores that we ain't oh, even welcome in. About Lennox? About Lennox more? It was such yeah. like a face palming moment. And I just was kind of like, again, like I'm wearing this shirt, shouts to Bricks and Woods, where it says Virgil got me fucked up, right? And it wasn't even about the dollar amount that this man presented to post and say, all right, I put $50 for this fund because I'm not pocket watching anybody. As long as you helped, you helped. It was his follow up on his Instagram story about crying over a man's consignment sneaker store. Right. And this up and you look at the man's post who actually owns his store and he's like, black culture helped me. Like, eventually we're going to be all right. I ain't tripping. But you crying, saying looters and all these people, and they deserve this, and they. Should. Well, Trey, Trey, he brought he brought Supreme to yeah. Chicago. He he he, he yes, chose right? them babe. So so here's the thing now, right? I gave you Negroes babe. This so is how you the me. Here's a man that's selling 111 dollars socks, right? And all I can't I I don't know when I could I shouldn't bail I shouldn't be able to bail multiple people out. And I know I personally can't bail somebody out for $50. And I was just kind of like, again, I'm not trying to give this. is This is where the reality check is. Right. We give certain people. We put certain people on pedestals and they have these expectations. Right. Because everybody's like, oh, what did Jay-Z do? And then it finally came out two days that he's been kind of working behind the scenes. Stop worrying about what certain people with platforms are doing and do what you can do, because at the end of the day, 
Look what Lil Wayne said. I ain't listened to Trey. what Lil Wayne said Trey. in years, bruh. Like, he not telling me what to do at this point. If you crying over looting, I, that's why I said it's so, it's so funny and ironic that, you know what I mean, Black Wall Street happens to fall on this. 99 years, right? They blew, they, they burned down all those businesses, killed all those people. And y'all complaining over that? Businesses can come back, lives can't. We're not going to get, and that's the thing. We lost George Floyd, and now we've lost a couple more people while they're trying to do the right thing in peaceful protest. They don't care about us. They never going to care about us. I'm not tripping off of that. All these, listen, all these major corporations got insurance. All these small businesses going to go do a GoFundMe. I haven't seen a GoFundMe flop ever. <laughs> they go, I haven't. <laughs> Tell me, show me a GoFundMe I, that flopped. <laughs> when them racists was looking for like uh, all the racist cops were looking for legal funds and they couldn't get none. Uh, but but uh, Jamel, like that's what what is the the responsibility of a Virgil in this case, right? Because I, I I believe he thought he was doing the right thing, but it just came off like you seem you seem like a, a fool basically. So what is the responsibility no, of all was... people with power? So I think, first of all, we need to stop equating power platform with ability to comprehend this issue. Those are two separate things. I'm okay with certain people being quiet. Yep. And we need to stop thinking that just because you got a big following, just because you Virgil, just because you Lil Wayne, that you were equipped to handle some of these complex, nuanced, racial issues you aren't. I'm not telling them to shut up. What I am saying is I'm not beating down their door to say anything because yeah. you know who I'm glad I ain't heard from? Oh, thank it's God. Kanye West. I'm super glad, <laughs> super glad that has not happened. I'm clamoring. You know, it, I mean, it, I guess with the president of the United States, you can't help it. Like, you want the president of the United States to, shouldn't he give some soothing words? Job, Why? Though. He ain't never gave <laughs> like why so we can all be frustrated and mad and be like yeah he the same asshole we thought he was like alright okay cool you know I said the same thing about Cam Newton is that you know Cam Newton was on his all lives matter alright all good dude <laughs> I don't need you to speak up so asking Cam Newton to speak up just cause he's black is a disservice to him because that may not be his way maybe his way is through works maybe his way is like I'm gonna create this awesome bomb charity I'm going to speak to these yeah. kids. And that's what I do. Let yeah. people be okay with that. It's a reason why it was only one Malcolm, one Martin, one Colin Kaepernick. Let us be okay with there only being a few who are able to be able to do voice and action. Having said that, though, here's my this is this has been my philosophy from the beginning. Actually, we talked about it was, if you remember, we talked about Jordan a few weeks ago mm-hmm. and how he didn't do enough, quote unquote, didn't do enough while yep. during his playing career. And I said, I'm not in the business of conscripting people to the cause. Right. I don't like the the scene, like like I don't want it to be like the scene from Blazing Saddles where the, the governor's sitting there and they go, harumph, harumph, harumph. And then he says, I didn't hear anything out of you. And the guy says, harumph late. Like, I don't, I don't want it to be like that. If you don't feel it in your heart, I don't want to hear it from you. Yep. But I feel like over those last few days, in this particular case, my stance of that has changed because I feel like yeah. silence means I'm complicit with what has happened. And which is why I, I went hard on the Miami Heat today on uh, on air. I went hard on uh, the New Orleans Pelicans on Twitter. 
couple other teams for a not saying anything up until like uh, days and days of this happening, even as their own players and stuff are going around and saying stuff. And uh, B, in the case of the Pelicans, not saying up, they, they made a statement now, but at that point, they had tweeted something like, oh, challenge against the- this is frivolous. Sports Center yesterday, uh, on Sunday, while everything's going crazy, tweeted out a video of some white girl with a terrible golf swing. And I said, look, uh, I get it. I'm not asking Sports Center for and come March these, but you can't be tweeting out about Jenna's terrible golf swing. Like hmm. maybe set, maybe let it be silent for the day, you know, or, or, or just stick to retweeting athletes who have said stuff. And so for me, the idea that Kanye hasn't spoken, of course, I fear that if he does speak, he's going to say the wrong thing. Absolutely. But that's why I'm like, can you not put out the bare minimum? I'm, and knowing that the bare minimum that a lot of these brands have put out and a lot of these sports teams have put out are not genuine. It's all thoughts and hey, prayers. Man, and listen, I stand with black people. Is I still need I, that money. Run that coin. Yeah, no, look. I'm but not, that's, I'm but not, I'm fine with that. I'm not exactly. I'm fine with that because to me, like I, I'm, I like I told my buddy who works for one of these teams, I hadn't made a a, a statement yet, and I said, look. Because he said, we don't want to we don't want to be one of these thoughts and prayers people. We want our statement to mean something. That I said, look, here's the deal, man. It's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Now, the difference is it's way more damned if you don't. Like, we're going to come at you for giving us a BS statement. Yes. But I get you. I bet you right now it was going to be a lot less than what we come after you for not saying anything at all. And, I mean, and as fair, we said, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Um. And you know what? I had that same thought when I saw ESPN statement. I got to be honest. Um, it was a ho- it was a big nothing burger, and I was just like, "We stand behind diversity and inclusion." That's what y'all got. It's like uh, I would have rather Oof. y'all just not said anything. I mean, I, just, nah. I, I honestly, I I I feel you. I know where you're going with this. I mean, I do because ESPN obviously traffics in the industry where they make an incredible amount of money off the talents of black athletes, black culture. We know it. They there for the culture. They ain't there for the tough stuff. I already know, live through it. Understand it. Mm. The whole thing though, is that I would rather them be who they intrinsically are. than you come to me and act like, and pretend you care. That's why the NFL statement about Kaepernick was, or not Kaepernick, the NFL statement about these mm. murders was so bad. We saw you ruin this man's career. Mm. And you putting out that statement only makes you look worse. They could have kept it, and I promise you, I'd have never even thought about them not making one. Promise you I wouldn't, because I'd rather them not say anything than what they said about that, because it only points out the horrible, glaring hypocrisy of their mm. movement. They're not in this for the right reasons. They're not in this for any reasons. ESPN is a business that what they do is show you things you want to see and you watch it. That's it. They don't have any social responsibility. They like to think that they do. And it's cool because like, I understand that there's corporate responsibility for everybody. I'm not hating on them. I'm just saying what it is, but to expect ESPN to suddenly care about black issues is an expectation that will leave you sorely heartbroken because that's not what they do. And so I would rather these businesses, these corporations stick to what you do. Please don't give me um, what the fake love that Drake talked about. Don't give me that. 
Don't give me that because when the fight really starts and I'm thinking you might be there and you're not there, <laughs> that's when I'm going to get pissed off. Mm. And it's like the, the, the fight right now, you got to be down for the grimy shit. If you're not down right. to actually say in your statement two words, police and black people, save the fucking statement. Man, you know, you know what's so crazy is I was talking to um Havistro earlier and I and he, he was because he's I think he's thinking about writing something like that has to do with the NBA team's responses. Like basically who said what, who said nothing, who said what when, basically dissecting it. And I was like, look, Tom, like, you know, which I'll that? just say real quick, one NBA owner, one has actually said anything of substance as Vivek Branadive. Wow. There's no other team, you know, that, that has used the word police in their statement. Uh, I mean, I think, I think Doc Rivers has because he mentioned his father is a cop. Mm. And I think obviously Greg Popovich, but he didn't speak for the team. He spoke on his own. He did. And then the wizards. Yeah. And then the wizards. wizards Yeah. But that's the wizards players. Not the Wizards organization. Monumental Sports, which owns the Wizards, had its own statement, which was much more in line with what everybody else is doing. The Wizards players, and that statement was clarified, says, this is a statement from our players, which is basically like, if we don't don't own this. Yeah, it's like if the Wizards texted me, like John Wall, Bradley Beal, all of them texted me in a group chat. I mean, this is what we want to say. And I tweeted it. I don't get credit for that. I just basically, hey, this is what, which is the same thing there. So I, I just want to clarify that, uh, why. So go ahead. Yeah, no, and related to what you said, and what I would want our listeners to understand is that um, the, the the power structure of sports and the power structure, you know, because it's one and the same, of American society, they like the police. They like the job that they do. They kind of, like, the statement that you're seeing reflects a sort of a tacit um, approval of the methods of police officers. Like there's an idea that um, just because some some black guy died in the line of duty doesn't mean that this guy wasn't doing his job correctly. Um, It doesn't mean that police officers don't need the leeway to be able to kill people who might, they need the leeway to be able to make fatal mistakes on um, poor and oppressed people Black people, minority people. To me, that's what those statements speak to. Um, it's it's just a tacit tacit acknowledgement that we like the cops. We're not going to use our platform to disparage the cops. We're not going to kill the cops in public. We, the power structure of these leagues, um, these brands, whoever the case may be, we're not going to say F the police. We're not going to talk about, yo, man, maybe we need to look at new ways of punishing police for the behavior that they have. To me, you know, it just, it just says that the ownership um, group of the NBA, they like the cops a lot, man. They like the cops a lot more than they care to maybe offend their employees or offend um, the people who watch their products, who who give them the money for for, for whatever they provide as a product. Um, they, they'd rather offend them, the players, the viewership who happens to be offended by this than the police. Uh Jamel, because I know you're running out of time here. I just want to ask you one quick question before you got to go. What about um, white people who in regular times profit greatly about the black experience? So the example that come up a lot is 
there's a, a weatherman or a newscaster in Charlotte who every time there's a new dance comes out with an Instagram video him doing the Tootsie Slide or whatever, and everyone loves it, and everyone says, oh, he's invited to the cookout, whatever. And when all this is happening, guys, not only know where to be found, but when he did try to do something, it was literally so he could sell merch off of it. How do we handle people like that so that whenever this is over, <laughs> we never have this conversation with these, uh, these leeches again? Uh, so what we need to do is we need to stop conflating um, acceptance, love of black culture with love of black people. They're not the same thing. And um, a lot of us are very loose with these cookout invitations, um, you know, uh, and not understanding that just because they can listen to a Jay-Z album or because they love certain music or they love certain movies, they ain't down with us because eventually you're going to get that point where you know where people stand. And a lot of times you wind up being disappointed because you overestimated where they stood based off their love of pop culture. So what I would say is that we need to be very careful. We need to be more stingy with these cookout invitations. And if we're going to have some real conversations with white folks, we need to have real conversations that make them understand that this is a critical thought process going on now. That like there's This is not about um, uh, uh, them being defensive. It's not about us accusing and blaming them of everything that happened in racial history. It is about acknowledgement. It's about acceptance and it's about accountability. And if they can't understand those three things, it's like, I don't even know why we're having a conversation. We like, we have to be willing to let some of that acceptance that we crave from the majority group go, let it go. Because, uh, some of it is not even worth us wagering, our self-respect and our integrity for. So that's kind of where I stand with it. Jamel Hill, you can read her work at The Atlantic. You can follow her Instagram on Twitter. She's one of the smartest people I know. I turn to you for guidance and you have not failed to deliver. So thank you again for giving us the time, Jamel. Yeah, and thank you guys for this conversation. This has been awesome. Awesome. All right. So, uh, Thanks, Jamel. The... Uh, the thing I want to say uh, real quick, and and I, I wish we had the chance to talk to her about it, but I know she had to run. Um, Hold on. Can, so we, I, can we break some news on here, I mean? Did you see uh, Pablo? Yes. With the Knicks yes, email? Yes. Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead and do that. Okay, so Pablo, his tweet says, I'm told that Knicks players... Pablo Torre. Pablo Torre of ESPN, friend of the show, um, one of the greatest Asians in America, um, <laughs> and that's self-proclaimed, by the way. Um, so his tweet says as follows, I'm told that the Knicks players and employees are furious that the team hasn't made a public statement about George Floyd. And I just obtained an email that owner Jim, Jim Dolan sent to MSG employees today, defending the organization's de decision to stay silent. And the letter goes like this subject, a message from Jim Dolan. <laughs> I'm, I'm, this guy calls himself Jim it's in, in company emails. It's kind of funny. Um, OK, cool. Dolan says, we know that some of you have asked whether our company is going to make a public statement about the killing of George Floyd by a Minneapolis police officer. I want you to know I realize the importance of the issue. Therefore, I want to understand, want you to understand our our internal position. This is a turbulent time in our country. The coronavirus and civil unrest have taken their toll on our way of life. 
We at Madison Square Garden stand by our values of a respectful and peaceful workplace. We always will. As companies in the business of sports and entertainment, however, we are not any more qualified than anyone else is to offer our opinion on social matters. What's important is how we operate. Our companies are committed to upholding our values, which include creating a respectful workplace for all, and that will never change. What we say to each other matters. How we treat each other matters, and that's what will get us through this difficult time. That's the end of the email that James Dolan, owner of the New York uh, Knicks, sent to his employees. Well, when they show you who they are, believe them. You got to believe them. You got to believe them. This is, I mean, I think this is is why you, uh, I guess I see Jamel's point. It's like, I don't want someone lying to me. And I guess this is, it's good that we now know, like, that's how y'all feel. Y'all are not making a statement because you haven't figured it out or you're trying to figure out a better way to say it. You don't make a statement because you don't care. And so to me, that's, that's abhorrent behavior. Um, I don't know. I mean, how do y'all feel about this? I, I need a moment to kind of process. I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's part and parcel with the kind of guy that we've learned James Dolan is, right? Um, and um, to me, it just speaks to his ridiculous level of cowardice. Like, you're just a coward, bro. Like, instead of coming out and saying, I like the cops, the cops defend MSG during, um, you know, NBA, our games. They keep people safe. Besides, this wasn't the NYPD. This was Minneapolis. NYPD is, is getting better. You could have just lied or whatever and just said you have a relationship with NYPD therefore you don't want to you don't want to be disparaging of cops um at large I, I I like our cops instead and of course we know how you don't feel which is any kind of empathy or sympathy or you know just love for 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 the people that this happened to um we know that's not how you feel you go this fake ass middle route of talking about it's not our place to have opinions on social matters because we're just a business. We don't we don't have opinions. Um it's 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 cowardice. Hold on. There's is, no is, other way I, to put this. Am I the only one who's not hearing was? Is that just my, my thing? Just you. Can you okay. hear us? Can you hear me? I, I can hear you now. Sorry about that. The wire hat came out? Yeah, it just I don't know. It just the Bluetooth started messing up. Yeah, basically, I mean, the, the, long story short, I just think Dolan's a coward. Instead of saying, I like the cops, I don't want to ruin my relationship with the NYPD. They're very sensitive about public statements about police. Um, they do a great job for us here. We should, we should, you know, show love to NYPD. This happened in Minneapolis. Um, a statement from us as the New York team against policing and all of that. Um, I don't want to do that. I don't want to set that precedence because I happen to like the NYPD. And I'm not doing that for that reason. And I think they do a good job, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Because we know the truth of the matter is he feels no empathy or sympathy for George Floyd, his family, um, for the black community at large. None of that. He instead decided to do some fake ass middle way and say that companies, entertainment companies don't have a place in discussions regarding social justice, which is just cowardice. Like that's the definition of cowardice. Like there's no other way to put this. You're a billionaire. You're the definition of untouchable um, in this country. And what you tell me is, I don't have the right to an opinion. That's ridiculous. Yeah, it's, it's it, I mean, it's it's bizarre. It, it is truly bizarre that that would be anyone's stance. 
Like when it's so easy to just give, like I said, man, just give the most basic ass, like, oh, this is horrible. I hope we can come together as a country. Like that, it's the bare minimum, but it it does put you firmly in like, okay, now I know what you're about moving forward. Now I, I know I, I ain't got to fool with you at all on nice. any level. Um, let me ask you all this, man, because I got, I tweeted something this weekend that got misunderstood and misconstrued by a lot of people. And this is what I want to talk to Jamel about, uh, but we, we just didn't have enough time. Um, I, I tweeted there was a, a sheriff in Flint, Michigan, who uh, marched with the protesters. There was uh, an officer in Atlanta who was explaining to one of the protesters why, come on, we got to calm down, da 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 We're not trying to agitate anything. And the protester said, well, tell that to your man over there because he's over there riling everybody up. And the cop said, that guy's an idiot. I'm going to talk to him as soon as I get the situation here handled. And it got a great kind of positive response from the protesters. And I tweeted those examples and I said, like, amazing how these cops managed to handle these protesters without running them over in cars or shooting them or choking them or anything like that. And I meant it as an example to all, all the people, and there were plenty of people who were saying to, to all these acts of police violence, well, those people should have got out of the way. Well, those people shouldn't have been looting. Well, all the kind of like justifications for lethal or attempted lethal force. I, I meant it as like, no, no, here's some police are doing it the right way. And I had a lot of black people who thought I was saying not all cops are bad. Um, is that something that, I, is that a, a, a difficult concept to ask I'm going to let y'all go first. What? That go all ahead. black people, I mean, uh, that all police were bad? Well, I mean, no, it's just, just a mean fucking explaining that there is there is actually a right way to police a community. Right. And sharing an example of that is not some, not all cop shit. It's shit. So it's basically chance. like. See, this shit is possible, other fucking cops. I got a chance cops. to talk to a buddy of mine who I went to high school with who is a sergeant in the Southern Cal region, right? And it bothered him Boom. so much, right? Because, again, he's in a weird spot, right? Sergeant, for one, from Compton, grew up in the same streets, had to deal with bad cops and all that, right? But is in the ranks, well-respected, and he, he also said that Police officers need to remove their ego when they put the uniform on. And in this particular situation with Mr. Floyd, that officer that had his knee into his neck did not want to lose the lose to that crowd. You know what I mean? Like he wanted to maintain that power and keep his ego. And in the scenario is that what should have happened, especially with those officers that's that kind of turned their head or kind of controlled the scenario didn't step in and stop him, didn't want to lose either because once they felt like if they would have let him live in that situation or let him walk away, then they lose control of that area. And him coming from a different side, he does understand because, for one, he said in order for a police for police to, to move forward and actually have a good 
rapport in certain areas is hiring the right people that actually know the neighborhood, people that actually have been punched in the face before and actually aren't trigger happy and scared. Like it's a lot of these dudes that are truly scared and you sneeze wrong and you might get shot just because they approach the job with fear. You have to, you have to have a post with the community and a lot of these dudes have never been, they're, they're not, not even, even from, from there. there. They're from also, they're from, yeah. they probably were the, the scary dudes at school and finally got this got this right, new right. this new badge behind to live behind Power. and has a battery in their back. So let me ask you this. Let me Trey, you got a friend who's who's a cop. Waz, do you know any any people who are police officers? I do. Uh, Jerv, do you know any in people who are police officers? Yeah. I do, yeah. I got a couple of friends that are cops. I, 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 to, like this weekend, I, I did a hard thing and I, I don't believe I know any police officers at all. The closest is we had a friend who had, whose father was a cop, but I didn't know his father like that. I just knew, Hey, his dad's a cop. He black. Right. So I'm going to ask y'all this because I, I legitimately don't have anyone I can ask this question to Trey. I understand what you're saying and I understand what your buddy's saying and that's all well and good. My question is, how hard is it for them to point it out when it's happening in front of them? Because I, I, I heard I, I watched this clip that Cole was talking about years ago when he was talking about Mike Brown. He said, there are good people who are police, but police as a whole is a corrupt institution. And so even though you're a good person and you join the police force because you think you'll make a difference, ultimately the system and the machine is much bigger than you are and it's hard for you to make a change. And I think that's an eloquent way of talking about it. But I also think it's kind of like a cop-out for a lot of these cops. You, like the dude, the Asian dude who's standing there while my man was getting choked out. Like, is there no point of him saying, all right, bro, that's enough, you got him, or... Or, or is it no part of like, oh, tap out. Let me get in so I can get some in on it and like not really beat the dude up, but like just, oh, I can't stand this guy. Why is it three cops can stand there and watch what is clearly a man lose his life? So, oh, I think when you talk to people who work for the NYPD, um, what they'll explain to you is that like, remember the the the, the Asian cop that shot the homie in the pink houses. Yes. Right. Um, basically, he walks into a stairwell where they're just smoking weed, mm-hmm. finger on the trigger, shit goes off, whether mm-hmm. accidentally or purposely, you mm-hmm. fucked up in, in your job. You did it wrong. Right. Um, that's not protocol. That's not how you're supposed to run up in there. I remember I talked to a cop about it that I knew, and he's like, yo, they're sending a fucking rookie into the pink houses. Okay. So it's not even like, um, which for people who are listening to this and don't know about East New York, don't know about this part of Brooklyn and New York, this shit ain't gentrified Brooklyn. This isn't coffee shop, bike lane Brooklyn. Yeah. It's still 1975 is, over there. You know why, right? Because the, the closest subway is too far away. Well, that's why it's not gentrified. Yeah, there you go. And so it's still, you know, 
very underserved community, a lot of poor people there, um, a lot of crime there, all of that stuff. And they sent a rookie there, a dude from God knows where in Queens or Sunset Park or something um, into the pink houses. That's the problem. I don't think it's that there was a guy there that should have saved them or whatever. Like they will NYPD because they want to incentivize you getting your summonses up, getting ticketing up. They feel like they can't put a guy that's of the neighborhood there because he's not going to get all, rack up all these frivolous fines. Right, right. So they want to put people but, who don't have the relations in there. That's well and, and good. that's what I'm happened. not talking about those types of situations. That, that's a great explanation for those kinds of situations. I'm talking about moments when there are cops in the park. Cops feel empowered to police man, each other. That's all it is, bro. It's the blue. Yeah, it's the blue. So much, but like, y'all are my brother. Y'all are my brothers. Y'all are my brothers. We go out, whenever we have these live shows, we go out, we, we have a good time. If one of y'all started beating somebody down, I'm not saying I would say, hey, that's wrong. I would be like, at some point, like, okay, Trey, he's had enough. We've right. seen it a hundred times all over this country right. where real friends, real brotherhoods, where people are like, all right, bro, he's hey, good. He's, he's good. Sense he's, me, he's common sense yeah. makes sense, right? But in this, in this particular situation, right, if you... Go against, right? Whatever, whoever that dude, I don't even know that dude's ranking, whatever it was. Right, whatever They're going to have to deal with that when they get back. And they feel probably that that's more worse than what could possibly do in that situation. So, again, with them, that's the same thing as them doing what they're doing during those protests, right? You know, if you can be like, mm. all right, bro, I know you're doing your job, but you're wilding and you're not checking them. You know what I'm saying? They're not going to go against them because they feel they are trained that it's us against them, whether right or wrong. That's wild. That's right. That's that's, that's, that's what. So wild. Look, look, I mean, if the if the attitude and you hear cops say it all the any cop within the first five minutes of talking with not even five, 30 seconds. Y'all put my life on the line every day. I put my life on the line every day. Well, my life's on the line every time I leave my house. So if that's the mentality that they all have, that their life is constantly in danger every time they leave their crib, they're not going to tell the next man who Yo, also think about, thinks that, that he's not justified in some Lass, crazy think about, shit that think he did. Think about somebody doing something crazy, under the right? Of say one of y'all do, do something crazy and they say, oh man, everybody going crazy on Jerv. And I'm like, no, that's my man. He just messed up that one time. That's how they do it. You know what I'm saying? In an approach of like, yeah, he did that. But it don't matter because we're one. I got his back regardless. And that's how they mob it. So at the end of the day, I ain't got no respect for that at all. Jerv, go ahead. So I was going to say, I got a, um, I got a homie that I was, I was cool with in college. My guy, right? Like he was, he was into the mix, right? You know what I mean? He, he did his thing. <clears throat> we graduate, you know, he's got a regular job, whatever the case may be. And then he gets onto the force. And I saw him out. I didn't realize he was on the force. And I was, and I remember I was with my man, and I said, "There's something different about him." Mm. So then, you know, I went back to everybody, and I was like, "Yo, what's, did y'all see such and such?" They're like, "Yeah, you know, you know, he a cop now." And I said, "Oh wow!" So I DM'd him, and I said, "Oh man, you the fuzz now? That's crazy. Mm. I'm happy for you, right?" But right, right. he didn't reply. But this is something I would normally say to him, right? Right, just, right. Yeah. Just talking shit. Yeah. Um. My boy comes over and he's talking about him and he said, yo, the training that he went through, his exact words were, yo, their brain, they, he, he got brainwashed. Oh my God. Like, 
Like his he he literally came out a different person than the, than he was prior to whatever the, the 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 x amount of weeks of training that it was. Whatever it is they go through, like I'm in a fraternity, right? Go through your, you know you whoop de whoop whoppy whop whatever. I'm I still have it in me. I won't talk. I won't play one of my bros in front of other people, but I'll stop my bro if I know my bro is doing something. Wilding. I'll come up to him and say he's wilding, but for them, it's it's different. So it's 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 their fraternity is something that's it's like unheard of the type of shit that they have. Because I literally have seen, you know, and I know Trey, you've probably seen it also. I've seen a person prior. And then to see that person afterwards, you would think that the if I told you the stories about this particular person prior to, you'd be like, yo, get the it's fuck cold, out of here. There's man. no way it's boys a cop. It's a cold it's crazy. thing. It's a code, whether it's bad or wrong, bro. I just, I got the way, the way I think about it is, Jerv, you're in a fraternity. If there was a, uh, a, a brother either in your chapter mm-hmm. or just in some chapter somewhere in the country, who was walking around murdering people with his candy cane, right? <laughs> you wouldn't sit here and start asking, well, wait a second, what did he murder? Why did he do that? You'd be like, that ain't me, that ain't us, and that dude does not represent us. You guys would go out of your way to make sure everyone knows he's not one of us. Much like if you were out with one of your brothers, if you and Mark Mark Hill were out, and Mark Hill were beating somebody up, part of it is you're going to stop because Mark's your brother, right? You know, I don't want Mark to get in that kind of problems. Right. But to me, the other part of it, at the very least, on the most selfish level, Man, I don't want Mark to kill this dude, and then everyone think Kappas are are running around crazy. That's the at the yeah. bare minimum. That's that's the part that would kick in, and the fact that it doesn't seem to kick in to these cops over and over and over and over again all across the country, it makes me believe. And I'm glad you told that story because now I think to myself, is this a case of they are trained? trained what what was just said that black people are the enemy unequivocally we are the enemy to be hunted and and basically exterminated well i don't so like i do think that there's something with the training right i I think a lot of them just like with uh, every rapper, like they always say they're dicks in school. Like I think right. a lot of them yeah. grow up in this, in this fuck with this mindset or whatever the case may be. Part of it's selection. Part of it is a selection, right? The I people mean, that that are getting like what was said earlier, they're picking people who who are not emotionally equipped to do this, who have no what Trey was saying. They're not from the neighborhood. They have no knowledge of the of the terrain, um, and in many cases, might have psych issues, right? That's part of it. But I think there has to be a strong part of it where they're reinforcing whatever these people already believe. I don't think there's a, now guys, you have to be polite out there. Yeah, whatever, fuck you, Drill Sergeant Jenkins, and then they go out there and do, I don't think that's happening. I think something else is happening. We're like, you gotta watch out around these people, right? Like <laughs> They walk right up to that line. You gotta watch out around these animals. I know, I've heard cops call black people animals too many times with regards to black people, black you know, crazy young though? black people. Like they, I, I, but I also believe that the, the same ones that call us animals, 
they called us whatever the fuck they called us prior to being a cop also. Yeah. Like, I, 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 I think it's, like, crazier than just, like, the cop part. Like, I think it's literally yeah. them prior, and we're not the, vetting these the people The selection, out. they're not, sele- they're not weeding well, anyone. Exactly. I'll say, I'll say this too, though, Jerv. Um, it's, it's definitely, it's not an easy job, right? Oftentimes, you in position to see people in society at their worst, right? Like, people strung out on drugs, People, you know, after a fight with their uh, significant other where they put physical harm on them, like they're constantly being exposed to literally people at their worst moments. Right. And I think that sort of engenders a certain PTSD about the people you're policing and, you know, uh, the type of ideas that you develop about the community you're policing when you're constantly, constantly being faced with the worst of it. Not saying that's, that that's an excuse. I'm just saying, like, somebody who was already even kind of predisposed to be like, man, maybe these Negroes are living in squalor because of their own doing. You know, you throw them in that fucking rat's nest every single day. You know, forced, forced American pro- poverty. You know, obviously, we don't need to talk about how the ghettos turn into the ghettos, but like, it is what it is, man. You know, like the poverty situation out here is fucked up, and people live terrible lives. And I think a lot of times, cops just, you know, they dealing with that shit every day, and they they come out of that shit jaded, and seeing people as, you know, less than human, which is fucked up, but it's the reality. The 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 cops that in New York. Two different squad cars running over stationary protesters. Um, the cops in Louisville who shot an unarmed black man, and all of them had their body cams on. The American town and yelling, light it up, and shooting people on their front. Um, the former LAPD union lawyer who said, shoot them all about the protesters. Um, The cop in New York who pulled down the mask of the young man who had his hands up and spray to spray pepper spray directly in his face. Um, You know, these are all examples from yesterday. Like I'm not even going historical. I'm not even going earlier this week. This is, all from Sunday. It, it is. I, I make that level of disregard for human. I mean, they got guys in San Quentin and Sing Sing that ain't as as bad. We saw it in New York. We saw it in Louisville. We saw it in Minnesota. We saw it in L.A. We saw we saw it everywhere. We saw it in Miami. We saw it everywhere. It means every single department has a bunch of dudes like this, with no regulation, no oversight. Just, here you go, have a gun and go fuck some niggas up. And that shit is really, really depressing. Not that, it's depressing that's happening, but it's more depressing when I find out that these guys have a code and they're not going to stand stick up no matter what happens. Then that's the part that's depressing. I can live with the dude that murdered George Floyd because we catch him, we prosecute him, that's it. I can't live with the other guys who are defending what this is about. It's a union or because whatever the reason. It did bring a smile on my face. There was a video I tweeted this morning about a young man, he's of South Sudanese descent, 
sitting there minding his business, got two cops run up on him, harassing him, talking about, you got a warrant out on you. Like, I got a warrant on me? Like, I think so. Cop said, I think you have a warrant out on you. So you're under arrest. He's like, I'm not doing anything. What am I under arrest for? You have a warrant out on you. Like, are you sure? I think so. That's not grounds to do it. So then they get physical. They're trying to physically grab him up and hem him up. And he said, y'all are so, he keep repeating, y'all are so stupid. I'm going to show you how dumb y'all are. Y'all are going to be so stupid. You're going to look so stupid when this happens. They handcuff him forcibly. They're like, they're doing the cop thing. And I'm watching the video and I'm thinking, oh man, not another brother who's about to go down on camera. And then the guy says, just check my, and the cop checks his ID, pulls it out, surprise, FBI agent. And they immediately were like, oh, sorry. I need to talk to y'all supervisor right now. <laughs> and that's where the video cuts off. Yeah, if Brodin had had identification, he would have been cooked. Oh no, it would have been a rat. Like you saw it happening. The cameras was they wasn't oh, shy man. about nothing. Witnesses, cameras, now we're gonna fuck this dude up because he was quote unquote resisting arrest, is what they would say, right? And that gives them lethal force as a justification. And for the tables to be turned on them so eloquently, and he was laughing the whole way. I was so happy and proud for that brother right there. And, and it, it felt like a small victory from a really long weekend, at least for me, guys. Um, anybody got any closing closing words or anything like that? Um, man, um, that thing you said about a code, about the whole police blue shield and blue wall and, and, and all of that shit... The bottom line is, um, you know, the mafia had a code and um, <laughs> all kinds of street figures had a code. And then, you know, you know what they did? The people allowed the government to invent the RICO laws and the code was no more. People started snitching left mm -hmm. and right. <laughs> Mobsters started going to jail regularly, um, organized crimes influence and, you know, stuff like the unions in New York and, and, and all over the country started to dwindle. Um, they, they enacted laws and, and those laws got executed on them. And, and now you see the results of that. That code doesn't mean shit anymore. Right. Um, I, I, you know, I think you would have to see something similar enforced on cops. Um, but the citizenry would have to want it. And, and, and I don't know how much closer we are to that, which I think is what, you know, what really makes me sad on a, whenever I really think about it, it's like people don't actually give a fuck. Was. A lot of people think this is the way it's supposed to function. Was, it, when you see white people get beaten up by cops, do you think that will change their mind? Because we're seeing that now. I think, what, they I see was talking to Mike about this. I think we need to, I think we do need to make it, make the police, the anti-police brutality movement um, a more broad movement because in poor white neighborhoods across the country, they fuck those people up. They really do. They're really rough with them. They kill them. They do all of that shit in really poor white neighborhoods too. And I think, you know, but man, I, I don't know if those people hate the cops as much as they hate Negroes. That's the, yeah. that's just the sad truth. I don't know. I'm not claiming to know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Um, since we're closing out, um, I just wanted to mention that uh, I'm, I'm doing something on Fridays called Safe Space Fridays um, for black men in trauma. So for our listeners, that anybody that needs to, to vent after a long work week um, or feel that they have no one to talk to, 
please tap in with me. It is attached to my Twitter profile as well as my Instagram. So check that out. Um, I just want everybody to be safe, man. Like it's 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 this this is it's literally crazy out here. Uh, whatever decisions that you decide to make, you know, whatever, uh, just just be safe. Especially everybody in, in in these cities that are like really popping right now. You know what I mean? Just just be safe and you know, yeah. Just I, like I, I can't say that. Just just be safe because it's real out here right now. Yeah. On that note of safety, let me just say one last thing. If you have kids, do not bring them out. Oh, These no. protests are not safe. I know I know. a lot of y'all are trying to educate your kids and ha- have them feel like they're part of the movement and all that. You, your kids don't need A to be put in that kind of danger of being hurt because you see these animals in badges, are they have no regrets about anything. They'll point a gun at a child. We've seen them take the life of a child. So don't, don't, don't expose them to that danger, but also don't expose them to that trauma. Their trauma of seeing their father or their mother or their auntie or uncle get beaten in the streets, you know, that has a way for, for a child's mind to really be traumatic moving forward. So I'm not saying that you shouldn't have these conversations with your family. Absolutely have these conversations with your children. Educate them on what's happening. Make them smarter. Make them more empathetic and aware of what's happening in the world. But they don't have to be there firsthand because some things – a child's mind is not capable of handling. And then also, again, there's just a physical threat to them, man. Like, we, these people ran people over in their cars. You think they give a fuck about if your your six-year-old or your 10-year-old is out there? They don't care. They don't care. Man, this has been a great episode. Uh, thank you to our guest, Jamel Hill. Awesome, as always, to have her on. Uh, thanks to Rob Lopez producing. Thanks, uh, Big Waz, Black Trade, John Gervais. Thanks to the listeners. Everyone stay safe. Uh, keep it locked. We're going to try here on Counting Things to give you guys uh, a mixture of content that's relevant. And when it's not relevant, we'll, we'll let you know what type of episode you're in, in, in store for so that you don't have to waste your time if you don't feel like laughing or giggling or whatever. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back, I hope, with, with more uh, insecure kind of reviews next week with, with B. Uh, until then, this has been Black Opinions Matter. This is what I got to say to the this is what I got to say to the people who are destroying things. If you really feel like you have to take an opportunity, like if you're going to be an opportunistic, something is wrong with you. If you cannot stand up and fight the good fight and you want to be a cheater and go ahead and take what we're trying to do, something is wrong with you. Because what we're trying to do is stand up for the basic rights of humanity. And that's what we're trying to do. And we're trying to do it in a peaceful way. We do not want to go through this anymore. Okay? I want to be able to go in the white neighborhood and feel safe. I want to be able, when a cop is driving behind me, I don't have to clinch and be tense okay i want to be able just to be free and not have to think about every step i take because at the end of the day being black is a crime at the end of the day being born black is a crime to them and i don't understand why because we're all humans and that's sickening this is the story of the one as head of maintenance at a concert hall he knows the show must always go on that's why he works behind the scenes ensuring every light is working the hvac is humming and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.